Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. begin with a little bit different today. So we're going to read the Ten Commandments together. And so they're coming up on the screen behind me. And so if you would, if you just put your eyes there and we'll read these commandments together. Ready? So it says, I am the Lord thy God. So let's read the first commandment. You ready? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Ready? Number two, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. Number three, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Number five, honor thy father and thy mother. Number six, thou shalt not kill. Number seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. Number eight, thou shalt not steal. Number nine, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Number ten, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. So, Let me ask you a question. Having just read the Ten Commandments, which one of those does God say, I'm going to give you a pass on? Which one? I mean, like, surely there's got to be one that's got the eyes, all right? You know, stealing, uh, go ahead, it'll be all right. Do you think that? Do you think think God gives us like uh, that or or like uh, killing, right? (laughs) Hey, you know what? You can take them out. It'll be all right this time. So it sounds like that you're saying to me that God doesn't give us a pass on any of them, right? Well, I want to be honest with you. I struggle with one more than any others, and I break it often. And I struggle with this sin. And it's really uh, troubling, and I hate to admit this to you, but it's true, is that I struggle with number four, remembering the Sabbath day and keeping it holy. And I want to tell you that when I do this, see, God gives us these 10 things here, which he gives us more commandments than that. But he does this as a safety guard for our lives. And when we break God's commandments, it's not that something happens to God, it's that we become broken. When I was uh, uh, in high school, I worked after school at this uh, cabinet company. And we made cabinetry. We made like the cabinets in your kitchen and bathrooms. We, we made those. And, and there was all kinds of saws and equipments there that was dangerous to use. One particular piece of equipment was called a router. It was a big router. And what we would use that piece of equipment to do is to put the edges like on doors and the panels that go inside of doors. And it, cut, it was really, really strong. And it had a safety device on a guide uh, there, a safety harness basically that kept you from getting into the to the blade of that and the guys in the shop would you know they get aggravated because they couldn't see the wood that well and they had a habit of removing that safety device and the owner of the company would come in and he would have a fit listen do not take that off but you know what when he would leave they would take it off and so they did it hundreds of times running you know things through there well, one day we were working 
And all of a sudden, you heard it throughout the shop. The, saw cha- the, the router changed the tune, and then we heard someone scream because their hand had slipped. Even though they had done that hundreds of times, and it, it, it cut their fingers off, two of their fingers off. And so it was hospital stay and all this stuff that happened after that. And to that person, you meet that person today, still they have the reminder of when they, when they removed the safety guard and they thought they knew best, even though they'd done it hundreds of times, it finally damaged them. And that's the way with God's commandments. You agree with that? Is that you may, get about, you may get away with it one time, two or three times, but eventually, eventually it gets you. And that's why God gives them. You know, so God's not like, thou shalt not. He's not like that. He's like, please don't because it's going to harm you. That's really the tone of God. And so today as we talk about these, I want to ask you, has anybody in this room ever struggled with anxiety or stress? Anybody in the room besides me? Okay, great. That's the majority of us, all right? If you've never struggled with stress, come and see me. I'll give you some of mine. But all of us, and especially in our culture today, we struggle with stress and anxiety more than anything else. I think that even, you know, in our, our 20-somethings, our teen, uh, the teen group uh, in our communities struggle with this more than ever. And it's because a lot of it is caused because we have broken the fourth commandment. And so today I want to talk to you about how to use a Sabbath day to reduce your stress because that's what's God's intention. Number four, the, the fourth commandment is all about you reducing your stress. And, and, and when, you, when you disobey it, like I have many times, hello, my name is Jeff, and I'm a workaholic. And I've broken this commandment many times, and I've become broken. And so today, I want to talk to you about my weakness and what I'm learning and how I'm trying, I'm recovering. I'm an addict that's recovering from workaholicism. I almost said workaholicism. Is that a word? It is now. <laughs> it's Jeff's word. Okay, so let's talk about it. how to use a Sabbath day to reduce your stress. Number one, would you write this down? The first thing is this, is rest my mind and body. Rest my mind and body. It's very important to rest your mind and body. Look what Jesus said. Then Jesus said to them, would you read with me out loud what's underlined right there? The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of a people. And by the way, you're a person. So you you fall into that category. God designed the Sabbath to meet your needs. It's not about God, it's about you. To meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Again, when we break God's commandments, we become broken. It's not about God. It's about us. We become broken. Now, so we need rest in our bodies and our minds. They need rest. And when you do not have rest, you get stressed. That's what causes more, more stress than anything else in my life and your life is when you're, when you're not rested, you get stressed. So, you know, I, my Sabbath day is Friday. And, you know, some people give me a hard time about that. And someone said to me once before, said, you know, well, Pastor, well, the, the devil ne- never takes a day off. Why do you need one off? And I said, yes, you're right. 
And if I don't take a day off, I'll become just like him. And so will you. So will you. Some of the problems that you have between you and your parents is a rest issue. Some of the problems that you have in your marriage is a rest issue. Some of the problems that you have with work is a rest issue. Some of the problems that you have at school is a rest issue. And that we need to rest in order to reduce the stress in our lives. Now, there's a coach, a famous coach that coached the Green Bay Packers named Vince Lombardi. And he said this, fatigue makes cowards of all of us. Fatigue makes cowards of all of us. It lowers our defenses. Let me say this to you as clear as I can. When you are tired, you are more vulnerable to sin when you're tired. You will give in to things that you normally would not give in to when you become exhausted. And so it's very, very important to get rest. Now look what the psalmist said. Psalm 23, this is probably one of the most famous passages in the whole Bible. Look what it says. The Lord is my what? He's my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Would you read what's underlined with me, okay? Ready? Let's read. He makes me lie down. Let's say that one more time. He makes me lie down. Now, didn't that remind you of when you were in kindergarten? You had, a lot of, you had to take a nap. In ki- See, it's crazy because in kindergarten, we hate the nap. In high school, we, we say, give us a nap. <laughs> Anybody with me? Yes. Hallelujah. Oh, I don't know about you, but I got caught a few times like this. <laughs> little red mark on my head, a little drool on my desk, you know. <laughs> oh, yes, too real. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But see, it's like kindergarten. God said, you got to lie down. It's good for you. You got to take a nap. You got to rest. And so he says, the psalmist says, he makes me lie down. Now watch, he goes on and says this. Lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside the what? Quiet waters. You got to get rid of the noise. If you're going to rest, you got to get rid of the noise. The problem that we have today, and listen, those of us that are over 40, we don't, we don't, we don't have a clue as to what those under 40 deal with because the world has been social media, and there's never a break from that. So what I'm trying to say to everyone here today is that you've got to learn to turn it off in order that you can get well, because it will sap the life out of you. Just being connected 24-7, it sucks the life out of you. You cannot rest your mind when you're constantly connected. And let me just tell you something. The stuff that you're so fascinated with, most of it's lies anyways. Everybody's not happy all the time. They threaten somebody's life to get that smiling picture. And then they went back and started fighting again. And so what I want to offer you today is a solution. It's something that I'm trying to practice myself. And it's how to keep a Sabbath. I want to challenge you to turn it off for 24 hours. And here's what I want to put before you. So most of you, your Sabbath day is going to be on Sunday. So I would challenge you at sundown Saturday, Saturday evening when the sun goes down, when it gets dark, turn off work email, turn off social media, turn off all the distractions, and turn it, keep it off. I promise you, you may shake a little while, but you'll get better. <laughs> turn it off and leave it off until 
Sunday sundown. Allow God to restore your soul. And it only happens when you turn it off. And it's something that I'll be honest, it is very, very hard for me, and it's very, very hard for you. But I found out that when I do that, and I do try to do it, I find that I get refreshed, and I find that Rhonda and I get along better. I get along better with my children. Our staff here really appreciates it. Matter of fact, sometimes they say, Pastor, do you need two Sabbath days this week <laughs> to get better? And that's what I want to offer to you. And so I have this on your outline. It says, I mean, on your connection card, it says this. It says, I will do my best to turn it off for 24 hours. The devil will do everything in his power to keep you turned on. Because you will never be your best until you get rest. It's the Sabbath day. He says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And what holy is, you can't be holy until you disconnect from the world. Then God can speak to you and renew you and give you what you're missing in your life. Okay, so let's move on to the second thing. So how to use, we're talking about how to use a Sabbath day to reduce stress. The second thing I would say to you is this, is number two is reprioritize. Reprioritize what's most important in your life. Get your priorities aligned. You're never going to be at rest until you get those priorities straightened out. Rest and reprioritize. Look what the Bible says here. Again, Proverbs 17 and 24. An intelligent person aims at what? Wise action. And watch this. But a fool. I've been a fool many times. I've been foolish, and so have you. But a fool starts off in what? Many directions. They have no priorities. They don't have their priorities in order. You're either going to live by your priorities or you're going to live by pressure. And let me just say, if you do not set your priorities, somebody else will be glad to set them for you. They will tell you. They will run your life if you allow that to happen. You have to set your priorities. Here's one of the greatest principles that I've ever learned, and, and I hope that you get this today. It is this. When I say yes to what's unimportant, I'm automatically saying no to what's very important. Let me say that again. When you and I say yes to what's unimportant, what everybody else wants me to do, what's unimportant, then I say no to what's very important. Now, I'm about to share a, a, an example with you, something that I learned 20 years ago that changed my life. People that know me now, if you talk to anybody that knows me now, they say, Jeff is a, a pretty organized guy, but I've not always been that way. You're, I, am, I, I used to be the greatest procrastinator in the whole world. Do you know when, you know, do you know when my sermons used to get done? About Saturday night at midnight. Sometimes it'd be early Sunday morning before I'd come to church years ago. You wouldn't get it. The people back then weren't getting my best, were they? They were getting my leftovers. And so when I learned this principle, now the, mess, the notes that you have, well, they're done on Wednesday, and I, and I preach this. I've already preached this sermon twice. I preached it on Thursday, and I preached it at 9 o'clock. But Thursday, I preach it to the staff because I want to be prepared. I want to give you my very, very best, and so I'm ready. And also, you know what? Used to when I didn't have the sermon done, you ever had something you got to do and you just keep putting it off and it says eating at you? You know, it ruined my weekends. 
My family hated to see Sunday come because the tension would build all through the week because I kept putting it off, and I'd become angry. Like, well, let's go to Six Flags, Dad. Okay, we go to Six Flags Saturday during the day or whenever, and I'm like, well, come on, hurry. Get on the ride. Let's go. Why? Because I'm thinking about what I got to get done. Why, why are you always so uptight? Because I procrastinated what's important. So I want to give you a tool here that I learned. I want to share this with you. This, um, these containers represent our life. And so these pebbles that I have, these little rocks represent the things that are not important in our life. I mean, like a lot of us spend a lot of time on things that aren't important, that people want us to do, a lot of on social media, a lot of binge-watching television, a lot of stuff, and there's some good stuff, but it's good stuff, but it's just not that important that we do. And so these pebbles represent that. So let's just pour them in here. Look how the unimportant can fill our lives. Now... What I have right here that you can't see, I'll put them right here, is the things that are important. So let me just look right here and just get some of the things that are very important here. Oh, family, that's pretty important, right? But if I've done the unimportant already, then I, can, I gotta put that on top of it, right? Oh, church, that is very important, right? I mean, like God is very, very important, so, so I need to put that in here. And then, you know what, something else happens here is it's called work. And if you don't work, you don't eat. And so that's very important, right? So I'm going to put that in here. And then there's something else. Oh, here's a big rock. It's called emergencies. These things are going to happen, right? Things that you cannot plan are going to happen. Well, look what's happened here. My goal, this is the time limit that I have. I don't have any more time. And so now I'm going to try to put one more thing in here. My family's screaming, we need to go on vacation, Dad. Jeff, we need to go on vacation, Rhonda's saying. Okay, I'll get it. And guess what? It just will not fit. I can't do it all. I'm stressed out because I can't do it all now. I've got all this important stuff that I can't do because I've done all the unimportant stuff. I've done everything else for everybody, and I don't have any time for my family now. Or any time for anything else. And I got all these other big stones that are important sitting over here. Like, you know, there's one like self-care. Jeff, you need some time for yourself. Yes, I do, but when am I going to do it? It won't fit, in my, won't fit in here. And so here's some other things. Oh, volunteering. I love to volunteer, but I don't have time. Oh, I'd love to be a part of volunteer, but I don't have time. And here's another thing uh, right here. This is called uh, Major Projects. That means that honeydew list on my refrigerator that my wife stays ticked off at me about because I don't have time to do it. So I would have peace in my home if I could do this big rock, right? But I don't have time. So let's try something else. Okay, all these unimportant things are here, are important things. We're going to pull them back out. Now, let's try something. Let's just put all of these rocks in here. This is important. So family's important. God and church, very important. Emergencies are going to happen. Volunteering, oh, yes, I want to do that. Vacation, hallelujah. Mickey Mouse, we're coming to see you, hallelujah. <laughs> work, is, work is important. I like eating. That's very important. That's, these major projects, get Rhonda off my back. Hallelujah, that's important. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're feeling me now. And self-care, that means I get a little time to play golf by myself. Hallelujah. That's important. 
Now I've got all this unimportant stuff that, you know, that it's not that important, but I want to do some of it. So look, let's just see what happens. So let's just pour that on top of this. Now that looks pretty good, doesn't it? It's okay, I'm getting some things done that I even, you know, even the unimportant stuff. So I'm going to think about this a little bit more and shake it up a little bit. Okay, yeah, that's going down. Watch, let's just see what happens. We'll put a little bit more of this in here. Oh my, look at here. Look what happens when I do the important. Shake, shake, shake. Shake, shake, shake. Look, my, my timeline, I was able to do it all. When I did what was important first, I was able to get everything into my time frame. But when I did what was unimportant first, I couldn't get what was important done at all. If you will learn that lesson right now today in your life, it will change you forever. When you do what's important first, you'll always have time for the things that are unimportant. But if you do unimportant first, you'll never have time for important stuff. And that can change your life. That changed my life. It changed my marriage. It changed our church. We got better because I got better. Now, Rhonda loves this principle because when we get ready to go on vacation, we have more luggage than we need, <laughs> according to me. And so before, before we get ready to go, you know, we try to pile it all in. There wouldn't be enough room for it. But now that I learned this principle, guess what? I take the big piece of luggage and put them in first. And then I take the next largest and put them in next. And guess what? It's amazing once I started putting the big pieces in first, how we had plenty of room for all the little stuff. It just works in every aspect of life, even in your spiritual life. Look what Jesus said. Matthew 6 and 33. Jesus said, let's read these first two words out loud. You ready? Jesus said, you ready? Come on. Seek. Come on, say it again. Seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then let's read what's underlined. You ready? All these things shall be added to you. Notice that. When you make Jesus Christ the big rock in your life and you put him center of your life, all those things that you want, he says, they'll be added to you. You're not going to get left out. You're not going to be left behind if you put him first. What I want to share again is this, is that if you don't prioritize a godly life, you will settle for an ungodly substitute. If you don't prioritize a godly life, then you will settle for an ungodly substitute. And remember, when we break God's commandments, we become broken. We run our hand into the soul when we take those guardrails off. And so I want to challenge you today. If you're not a Christ follower today, don't waste another day. Make him the Lord of your life. That means a big rock, number one priority in my life. And watch him add to your life the things that you think you are missing. And so the way we do that is, is there's a prayer inside of our program. You can pray. And when you pray that prayer, all we want to ask you to do is just check it on the back of this card. It says, I pray the prayer to become a Christ follower so we can pray for you. All right? Okay. So remember what we're talking about here. Here we go. On the screen, it's coming up again. Our title again is this. How to use a Sabbath day. Notice this. How to use a Sabbath day to reduce stress. Remember, that's what God created for. And if you're not keeping a Sabbath day, then, friend, you're like me. You're sinning. You're sinning. And God can't bless sin. 
Even the little ones like this. But see, we, we think a Sabbath day is little, but God says, no, that's why you're stressed out. Anxiety. All of that's happening because of that. So the third thing is this. The third thing, would you write this down, is restore. Restore my soul through worshiping God. So we got rest, my mind and body, reprioritize what's most important, and then restore. Restore my soul through worshiping God. Now look, again, we go to the 23rd Psalm again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. Would you read these next four words out loud? Let's read them. You ready? He restores my soul. Only God can restore your soul. Let me tell you something. You can go on a rocky mountain high all you want to. It will not restore your soul. It will not. There's not a strong enough drink to restore your soul. There, and let me tell you something. That, new, that, that affair will not restore your soul. Nothing will restore your soul but God Almighty, His Holy Spirit. Amen? And so we worshiping God. You know what worshiping God is? Worshiping is loving God back. It's no doubt that he loves you, but when you worship, you're, you're loving God back. That's what you, you say, God, I love you. That's what I do. You know, I love you back. That's what worship is. Look what the Isaiah says. Isaiah 26 and 3 says this. He will keep in what? Perfect peace. Perfect peace. That's what we want, right? We want, we want peace in our life. We want less stress, less anxiety. We want peace. He will keep in perfect peace all those who trust him, whose thoughts turn how? Often. Would you circle that? Often. That's the secret to less stress and more rest. Thoughts who turn often to the Lord. Now, what I want to share with you is a, is a very therapeutic thing to do. I struggle with stress. The larger our church becomes, the more stress there is. And so I have to learn how to deal with stress, and I struggle with it. So I'm becoming a student of trying to, trying to figure this out. And here's something I've learned. I've learned if I'm going to have less stress, I have to have more God moments. Now, here's the, hear me out, because this is, this is simpler than you think. God moment is this, is the moment that when I choose to stop and live in the moment. Psychologists will tell you the reason that most of us are so stressed and so anxious is because we either live in the past or we're trying to live in the future. When you try to, when, when, you, when you continually think about your past, here's what happens. You have shame and guilt when you, live, when you think about your past. When you think about your future, you think about, oh, no, I don't have this. And you have fear and anxiety and stress when you think about all this out there, what might be happening, what might happen. Oh, this may happen. And you're just scared to death. So are you going to live in a world of shame and guilt or stress, fear, and anxiety? But the way that you live in peace is you learn to live in the moment. When someone is having a panic attack, what is the first thing they do, right? They grab a bag and say, breathe. Why? Because when you're breathing, when you're thinking about you, when you say breathe, think, slow your breath down, you start thinking in the moment. You start thinking about every breath you're taking in. And it takes your mind off the fear of the future, what you're panicking over. And the stress of the past, you get in the moment. And that's what settles your heart rate down is you get in the moment. What I'm telling you is it is through worship that you learn to get in the moment right there. 
Whenever you begin to have the stress coming in and the difficulties coming in and you need rest in your soul, you begin to say, God, I just want you to know right now I love you and that you're my Savior, and I just thank you that you live inside of me, and I thank you for who you are, that you've got the power for everything, and I just love you. And it's amazing the moment that you begin to start worshiping God, how he begins to move in you. When you express love to God, you feel loved by God. Amen, everybody? So look what the Bible says. Psalm 122 and 1, he says, I was glad when they said to me, let's read the last part, you ready? Let us go to the house of the Lord. The more you engage in worship, the more you will disengage worry. Dear God, did you hear that? See, that's it. That's your medication. It's my medication. The more you engage in worship, the less you're going to, the more you're going to disengage worry in your life. We say it this way at SEC. When my worship goes up, my worry comes down. Let's say it again. You ready? My worship goes up, my worry comes down. And that's why, listen, Sundays are important. And Mondays, we have Monday night service. Church service is important. You know why? It's one hour that you should disengage from the world and engage with God. That's what it's all about. And many of us miss that moment, don't we? Because right now we're thinking about, oh, well, I got to go do this and I got to go do that. And we're living in the future over here in anxiety and stress. And that's why you say, well, it didn't do me much good this morning. Why? Because you didn't get in the moment. And some of you are sitting here thinking, oh, God, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe that. Every time you come to church, that old memory comes popping right back, and you just feel beat up all over again. Why? Because you're living in the past. Get in the moment by worshiping God. Get in the moment. Again, look what he says here. Psalms 106 and 1. Oh, my goodness. Listen, that first word right there, I want you to just... I want you to read it out loud. Just sort of shout it out. You ready to do this first? On the count of three. You ready? One, two, three. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Some of you just perked up. You've been looking at me like I'm crazy, but when we said hallelujah, you went. <laughs> you just smiled. You just, you just got happy. I mean, something just went through you when you said hallelujah. Let me explain to you hallelujah. Hallelujah is a universal word. That means that you can, you can walk through the streets of Moscow and you can say hallelujah and they're going to understand that that means these three words, praise the Lord. That's what it means. You can, you, can, you can go to communist China right now and you can get on the streets there and you can say hallelujah. Everybody's going to know you mean praise the Lord. You know, you can go to Germany right now and you can get on the streets of Berlin and you can say hallelujah. And everybody's going to know you mean praise the Lord. No matter where you go, it means the same thing. It's, it's universal. And the psalmist says this. He says, hallelujah, give thanks to the Lord who is good, whose love endures forever. Let's just say that verse again. You ready? Come on. Hallelujah, give thanks to the Lord who is good, whose love endures forever. Amen? Look at you. You're getting happy already, aren't you? See, you was down before you come in, but we start talking about this hallelujah stuff. What? It's worshiping God. It's soul food. Amen? <laughs> Some of you thought that that old buffet you was going to was soul food. No, 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 no. This is soul food, baby. Oh, it ain't got good yet. It's about to get better. I've been listening to a song lately that expresses this. And I have, there's, it hasn't been a song in a long time that's moved me this way. 
And so I started doing a little research about the song because I knew there had to be meaning behind this song. I began to do some research, and I found that uh, there's a song that's on the radio. It's playing now, and I went behind the scenes and did the research. And there's a guy, there's a, a guy by the name of Joel and Janie Taylor who are part of a church called Bethel, and, and they have a music company called Bethel Music. And their son, Jackson, got sick. And they got so sick, they took him to the hospital. And what they thought was nothing began to turn into more than what they had anticipated. After being in the hospital a week and two weeks, he had E. coli. And they put him in intensive care. And this little boy's life was on the line. His organs started shutting down. So much so that the doctor asked him to call the family in because it looked like he was going to die. Joel sent a message out to his team. And there's a bunch of worship leaders and people in the church. And he sent a message out to a text that said, it doesn't look good for Jackson. Tonight they say that he may not make it. And one of those worship leaders got that text. And when he did, he said, I just hit my knees and I just began to try to pray. But when I tried to pray, he said, I, I, it was like a, a giant was standing in front of me of unbelief. He said, the thought that I was having, oh no, Jackson's going to die tonight. He said, I would try to pray. No, 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 no. That's not what we believe. No, no, no. He's going to live. But he said, every time I try to pray, this thought would come, oh, Jackson's going to die tonight. He said, I couldn't pray anymore because of this wall of unbelief. He said, but in my heart, all of a sudden, this anthem began to ring. And all of a sudden, he said, I started saying, hallelujah. 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 He says, I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemy. I'll raise a hallelujah in the face of all unbelief. And I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. And I'm going to sing louder and louder. And I'm going to let my praises roar up from the ashes. I will arise. Death is defeated and hope is alive. Hallelujah. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.